Resistance, Chapter 16, February 16th, 1943, Lodest Ghetto. I'd become used to hearing Esther's, Esther sound afraid. By now, the quaver in her tone was almost as familiar as my own voice. But something was different now, as if there were a good reason why her voice had trembled. Why I saw the unsteadiness of her feet through the small gap beneath the fence. Something new had unnerved her. And although I appreciated Esther's attempt to protect me, the fact was, being out here was hardly a safer option. Or if it was, I certainly wouldn't abandon her in there. Is it the Germans? I hissed. Now she answered, no, but that soldier patrolling this area was still headed my way, so before Esther finished her sentence, I squeezed beneath the fence too. It left a long scrape on my side, and one I hoped hadn't ripped my clothes. If it did, there was nothing I could do about it now. She helped me through the fence, and as soon as I was under, we stuffed snow into the gap beneath the fence. Unless that soldier looked carefully, he shouldn't realize we were there. Of course, there would be footprints in the snow and flattened bodies or flattened areas where our bodies had lain, but it was growing dark, and I hoped the heavy snowfall would mask that. I held my breath until I was sure he'd passed, and only then did I look around, taking in the odd sight around me. Now Esther's warning made sense. A thin blanket of newly fallen snow covered what appeared to be a field of rubbish, layers of empty food jars, broken bits of furniture, scraps of spoiled food. This must be where the people deposited their garbage since the ghetto was sealed. Most of it must have been frozen, otherwise the air odor would have been unbearable. But that wasn't the reason Esther warned me away. Almost a dozen women were digging in the trash with sticks or large spoons, depositing whatever they managed to collect on old items of clothing beside them. They'd all seen us come in, yet no one had said a word. Perhaps they had no energy for words. Most of them looked like they'd welcome death, and yet here they were, continuing to dig because something within them wanted to live. What are they doing? Esther whispered. Surviving, one woman appeared to be collecting anything that could burn. I'd seen this before. The only way to heat the apartment was with fires, but no wood was coming in from outside the ghettos. The people were forced to find wood anywhere they could get it, breaking up pieces of furniture, digging into the framing of their walls, or pulling off the slats of stairs. This woman must be hoping to find enough here to provide heat for the night. Another woman was wearing a dress too threadbare to be sewn together again. Every time she found a piece of clothing, she held it up to herself to check the size. I had clothing in that bag that blackmailer took. I could have given it to her. Most of the other women seemed to be scavenging for anything that might be eaten. And from what I could see in their small pile, they weren't picky. Rotted vegetables, moldy crusts of bread, leftover scrapings from inside a jar. They were digging for what might amount to a mouthful of food. And if it was only half of that, I'm sure they'd still be grateful. We should give them the potatoes, Esther spoke in a whisper, yet I noticed ears prick up about me. These women weren't nearly as passive as they pretended to be. Let's get deeper into the ghetto and decide how to put them to best use, I said, helping her to her feet. Don't look at anyone. 
just walk on through. Esther swung her bag over her shoulder, and I led the way through a, a sort of trail across piles of picked-over garbage. My stomach became sick at the thought of anyone eating it. No, it wasn't sick at the thought of being in a place where this must be eaten. No, it was sick at the thought of being in a place where this must be eaten. Ahead of us was a building that looked like it might have been a factory at one time. A few windows were broken out now. If I could get a piece of the glass, it could be used as a crude sort of weapon if necessary. And if I could find a door, we could spend the night there out of sight and then begin distributing Esther's food in the busier daytime hours while we looked for possible contacts, someone here who still had enough spirit to fight to resist, enough strength to hold a gun if I could get another one inside here. As, for the, as we left the rubbish pile, Esther cried out behind me and fumbled for my arm, but she was immediately pulled down to the ground. I twisted around and found two women fighting for her bag, even while it was still on her shoulders. They might not have realized or cared that her face was down in the snow and that she was flailing about for air. Kaya, her muffled plea for help didn't even register with these starving women. I dove for Esther, but when the first potato spilled from her bag, the two desperate women suddenly became five, and then all of them fought for anything that was left. To get it off Esther's shoulders, one woman knelt on her back. They were suffocating Esther, but the only thing that seemed to be in their vision was the bag. Stop! I shoved the women off Esther, then pushed the others away until she could breathe. We were close enough now that I could see their eyes, stricken with horror at what they'd done. We, we meant no harm, a woman mumbled, shamefully covering her face to avoid looking at us. Esther stood beside me on wobbly legs, and I whispered, let them have it. <coughs> she wriggled free of the bag, which was immediately snatched by the women as they divided the potatoes amongst themselves. They might have killed me, she cried. I put my hands on her shoulders, studying her. It would have been an accident. They only wanted the food. But we are surrounded by soldiers who will kill you deliberately if they get the chance. Never confuse the two. Esther's reply was cut off by the sounds of whistles coming up the street towards us. Gestapo! Someone must have heard the scuffle back there and reported it. I tried the door of the old factory that I'd eyed earlier, but it was locked and the windows were too high. We'd never get in there and we couldn't run back towards the rubbish piles. That's surely where the Gestapo officers were headed. If they stopped to question us, it wouldn't be hard to figure out that we didn't belong here, or why we had snuck into a ghetto at night. I might withstand their torture. Maybe. Esther wouldn't. This way. Esther grabbed my hand and pulled me behind a crumbled wall near the factory. No one had been back here in some time. I could tell because we created new footprints in the snow which meant it wouldn't take long for the officers to track us. But for now, we crouched behind the wall, and the Germans ran by shouting orders at the OD, who followed like dogs on their heels to find the cause of the trouble and to try to stop it. I peeked out to see their guns drawn. Less than a minute later, a shot was fired. Maybe it was a warning shot, Esther whispered. Maybe they're urging the woman to hurry back to their apartments. Maybe, I replied, but I knew better. With the officers momentarily occupied at the rubbish piles, Esther and I left the wall and ran deeper into the ghetto. The streets were nearly abandoned for curfew, and I had no idea where to go 
for shelter. Stop, a man shouted in Yiddish, a Jewish officer. The cock of his gun got my attention. It took all my courage to turn around and face the man. Esther had already stopped a few paces behind me and was visibly shaking. I was frightened too, but I couldn't let it show. Not if I was going to talk us out of this one, though it'd be a bit more difficult than usual. I knew almost nothing about this ghetto. Not the streets here, nor the names of any residents, nor the Judenrat leadership. It wouldn't take long for this officer to realize I was lying. I would figure out an excuse for why we were here. I had to. I must. But nothing came to my mind, and that infuriated me. I would not have my end come at the hands of one of my own people. That was intolerable. The Jewish officer's face was as long and thin as the Salmakowneck's face was plump. His cheekbones protruded at dramatic angles, giving him a harsh appearance. But I didn't think he was. Instead, he looked hungry much like those women before. His gun was aimed directly at me, but Esther was almost hyperventilating, pulling his attention to her. She needed to stop. Rather than pity us, this man would despise us for weakness. Why were you running? His voice was raspy, sending a shiver up my spine. We were going to the rubbish piles to dig, I said. Then we heard the whistles, and I thought it might be an action. We ran. There have been no actions since last fall, he said. It's proof that the Judenrat's plan was a good one. Then his eyes narrowed. You two aren't from this ghetto. In that instance, an excuse entered my mind. I crept forward and put an arm around Esther. My cousin and I have been in hiding since the war began, and we were only recently sent here. We don't want any more trouble. May we go? He glanced back towards the rubbish. We got a report of two girls sneaking into the ghetto. I think it's you two. He was being coy. He knew it was us, but he hadn't fired his gun yet, which meant he wanted something. A bribe? My money would do him no good. Some ghettos had their own currency, and I suspected Lodz was one of those places. Offering him Polish money was useless. He was sealed in too. Esther stepped forward and pulled a small potato from her coat pocket. She must have managed to grab one in the fray. She held it cradled in her palms as if it were a precious diamond. If we give this to you, may we pass just this once? It's all we have, sir. He snatched the potato and stuffed it into his own pocket before anyone else could see it. But his face softened. Either you snuck in or you're trying to sneak out. One is as bad as the other. So if you are still here when I turn around, I will take you to the Gestapo. I thanked the man, and we walked in the only direction we had left, away from him, away from the other officers behind us, and deeper into a ghetto where we had nothing left to offer. Where can we possibly go now, Esther whispered. Come with me. A boy near our own age stepped from the shadows. He looked a little like I remembered my brother, Yishoff, with a thick tassel of dark hair and a pleasant smile. My name is Abraham. You belong with us.